0: Welcome to another inspirational message from Elam Church, Christchurch City. For more information and great content, jump over to our website at elamchurchchristchurchcity.org. We hope you enjoy this message. So for those of you who don't know me, my name's Phil Godseff, I'm a campus pastor here at Elam Church, Christchurch, uh, Burnside, and uh, it's my privilege to uh, share with you this morning. Big welcome again to those from each of our campuses, from City, from Belfast, and from Burnside. We love you guys so much. Uh, anyone else who's tuning in, thank you. If you've stumbled across our online service today, we pray that it's a real blessing to you as well. Uh, also, just want to give a quick greeting and shout out to Pastor Jeff and Susan Parker and the crew from from Cambridge, Elam, up in the North Island. These guys are tuning in with us too today for our online service. So we pray that this would be a blessing to you guys and your community and in what God is doing there too. So uh, as I mentioned before, our theme throughout this month is making room and we're exploring together what we believe God is calling us to get ready for and what we believe he is leading us into. And this applies to both our individual lives and also for us as, as a body, as a family, as the church of Jesus Christ. And I just, I just love the simple truth that again, in God, there is always more. Like we honour God and we thank Him for our heritage. We thank Him for how we got to where we are right now. But there's always more. We've got to believe that. It's central to the character and the truth of who God is, that He's not done yet. Our best days do not lie behind us. Our best is yet to come. But you know, As much as it's God's intention that we never just settle for remembering the glory days or pining for days of long gone or whatever, it takes a real commitment from each one of us to continue to believe for more and to continue to look forward. I'm always challenged when I read this verse in Isaiah chapter 43, verses 18 and 19. God came to his people and he said, Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? And I kind of think in those words, God wasn't saying to his people, you know, forget about everything I've done for you in the past and don't be grateful for that. That's not what it's about at all. I think it's about God recognizing that there's always this potential for us to be so fixated on what has gone on historically that we forget to recognize that God has new things that he's wanting to lead us into right here and now and in the days to come. I absolutely believe the truth of that for every single one of us in our families, in our respective contexts, in our campuses that God has a new thing that he is leading us into in these days. Along a similar vein in the New Testament in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18, the apostle Paul wrote these words. He said, We all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed with, into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. I love that phrase, ever-increasing glory, i.e. the process of becoming more like Jesus is an ongoing one. Consequently, one of the things I think we need to realize as followers of Jesus is that there's always going to be this inbuilt tension within us where we are aware to some degree of, of where we are right now and of how God is calling us to move forward. But again, we live in that tension. We live in it. There's more to come that we desire and we recognize that we're not there yet. So again, that, that creates within us this tension that is an inevitable part of being a follower of Jesus. God ultimately is the one who does the transforming. God ultimately is the one who leads us into those new things. But he doesn't do that work of transformation irrespective of how we live and the decisions that we make. So we have a responsibility to lean into that tension, to recognize that we're not yet the finished article, we're not yet as effective as we could be, and that we haven't yet seen the full expression of God's power in and through our lives. And so the question then becomes, well, what does it mean for us to be a people of faith who intentionally align our lives with the new things that we believe God has in store for us? This morning, I want to share a key scripture with you and then just pull out a couple of thoughts that I pray would be an encouragement to you as we all set our our focus forward and go, God, what are the new things that you are leading us into? Let's read together. This is from Isaiah chapter 54 in the Old Testament, and it is a great passage of scripture. God came to his people and he said, Sing, barren woman, you who never bore a child. Burst into song, shout for joy, you who were never in labor. Because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband, says the Lord. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Do not be afraid. You will not be put to shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. For your Maker is your husband. The Lord Almighty is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. I love that passage of Scripture. I find it so encouraging, but also so challenging at the same time. Just to provide a bit of background information about what we're reading here in Isaiah chapter 54. From chapter 40 onwards in the book of Isaiah, it was addressed to the people of God at a time where they were still in exile under the domination of the Babylonian Empire. So what that meant is that it was a time of suffering, of exile, of uncertainty, and of questioning for the people of God. Where was God? If, if God truly loved us and was with us, why are we in this horrific place of suffering? What happened to all the wonderful promises that we felt God had given to us in the past? All of that uncertainty was the present reality for the people at this time. In the passage here, in this beautiful prophetic word, Jerusalem and Israel are, are depicted as a barren woman who has also lost her husband. She's a widow. And then God speaks to the work of redemption and restoration that he has in mind to accomplish through developing this image of the barren widow and describing this incredible turnaround that was to come. The use of this, this language or imagery of, of barrenness, it connects back to the earliest stories in the Old Testament of the patriarchs in the book of Genesis, of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, the first three generations of the Hebrew people to whom God had given amazing promises. Those promises were part of God's incredible plan for the redemption of all of humanity and of all of creation. God had said to Abraham, hey, through your offspring, all nations will be blessed. And that was an amazing promise. But the initial problem with that promise was that Abraham and his wife Sarah were unable to conceive and bear a child of their own. Sarah was barren, but God intervened And by his power, he enabled them to conceive and bear a son, Isaac. Thus establishing at the earliest stages of Israel's history, the truth that when God promises something, no matter how unlikely it may seem, he is well able to deal with whatever consequences there may be, whatever obstacles there may be that seem to suggest that that promise will never come to pass. So that's amazing. Then Isaac grows and he gets married to Rebekah. And God restates the same promises that he'd earlier given to Abraham. He comes and he says the same thing to Isaac. He says, hey, through you and your seed, through your family line, all nations will be blessed. There was another problem though, in that Isaac and Rebekah were likewise unable to conceive and bear a child of their own. Again, God intervened and by his power, he enabled them to conceive and bear a son, Jacob. So again, this is two generations in a a row. But wait, there's more. When Jacob grows and he's married to Rachel, God restates the same promises that he'd given to Abraham and to Isaac. He now gives them to Jacob and he says, hey, through your line, all families on earth will be blessed. But there was another problem in that Jacob and Rachel were unable to conceive and bear a child of their own. Again, God intervened and by his power enabled them to conceive and bear a son, Joseph. So historically, For the people of God, there was this powerful precedent set by God through three successive generations of really saying to them, hey guys, I know that when I come and give you promises, that there are any number of obstacles that stand in the way that can leave you feeling like the promise is never going to be fulfilled. But I am the God who created heaven and earth. I am the God for whom nothing is impossible. And when I say that something is your promise to inherit, there is nothing that can stand in the way of that promise being fulfilled. I love it. So the fact that then hundreds of years later, when the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were prisoners in a foreign land, seeing no way that there could ever be a future for them in God, God's prophetic message of encouragement to them is phrased using that language of barrenness. Why? Why? Because God wanted them to remember that though naturally speaking, it didn't seem that there was any way that they could ever get out of captivity and exile, that they could ever move forward into God's promises for them. God wanted them to remember that their history and their heritage as the people of God was of seeing barrenness transformed into fruitfulness by God's power. The same God who had enabled their first three generations to conceive and give birth had not given up on his promises. And he was calling them to now rise out of their despondency and disappointment and recognize that the God to whom they belonged was well able to fulfill his promises. Can I just remind you this morning that if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, You have been adopted into God's family and that your spiritual family has a history and a heritage of the transforming power of God. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead lives inside of us. Jesus Christ was a historical figure. He died a criminal's death on a Roman cross, though he had done nothing wrong. He was dead and buried in a tomb. But after three days, the power of God rose him to life again to underscore once and for all that he is the son of God, that there is forgiveness and freedom in believing in his sacrifice on our behalf. This is a core part of our identity as followers of Jesus, that redemption is possible, that transformation is possible by the power of God that rose Jesus from the dead. So God called his people in these words that we read in Isaiah 54 to make room now, for what he had in store for them in the days to come. A couple of thoughts for you from this passage about how we can likewise make room in our lives in believing for all that God has for us in the days to come. And the first idea is this, that we make room in our confession for the promises of God. We make room in our confession for the promises of God. And what I mean by this is that to believe in the promises of God requires us changing the way we talk, both about our current reality, but also about our future prospects. Having faith in God is not about pretending that everything's rosy and wonderful when it clearly isn't. And it's not about merely choosing to look on the bright side of life. But you know, what we need more than anything else when we're in the valleys and the obstacles and the trials of life is to hear from God and allow him to equip us with a promise about our present and about our future. And when we've received a promise from God, the next step is to actually allow that to shape our attitude and our confession right now. We read again in Isaiah 54, the first thing that God comes and says, he says, sing barren woman, you who never bore a child burst into song, shout for joy, sing, shout, burst into song. It's vocal. You see what's going on here. See, it wasn't just that God was challenging them to change what they were saying, where maybe they've been walking around going, life is horrible, we're slaves, we're in exile, nothing's ever going to change. This is always going to be our reality. God has given up on us. It wasn't that God was just saying, say something different about themselves. He was calling them to burst into song, to shout for joy. There's a degree of emotion included here, which I think is quite challenging. See, God promised descendants to replace barrenness. He promised a future where they couldn't see one. And having given them this promise, God exhorts them to sing even while they were still barren. To sing and shout for joy, even when they still open their eyes and look about them and go, well, there doesn't seem to be any reason for joy or for singing right now. But God had given them a reason to shout and get a little bit excited in giving them this promise that things were not always going to be this way. Things were going to change by his power, his grace, and his love. See, but to believe in the promises of God, it requires embracing it. Within ourselves, firstly, making room within our hearts, first of all, to grab hold of the hope that comes from the promise. Make room in your heart for the promises of God and then make room in your confession for the promise of God. Align the words that come out of your mouth with what God has said to you and is saying to you about your current reality and your future prospects. Maybe you look at your life right now and go, my relationship's a mess. My marriage is falling apart. I don't see any way that it can go forward. But if you get a promise from God where God comes and he speaks to you in the midst of that and says, no, I'm telling you that there is a future. I'm telling you that everything the enemy's intended for evil, I'm going to turn it around for good. And I'm going to bring you through this and you're going to be stronger than ever before. We have a responsibility to grab a hold of that promise and say, this is what is going to shape my attitude and my confession more than what I see when I look at my relationship right now. Can I encourage you? Maybe it's a case of going back to a promise that God has spoken to you months or even years ago, but it's just kind of sat up on the shelf and gathered a bit of dust. And in the waiting, you've kind of begun to doubt whether God meant that or whether he's able to fulfill it. Get that promise down off the shelf in Jesus' name and dust it off and allow that again to shape the way that you speak about your current reality. The promises of God are given to us to equip us to respond in faith and begin stepping into all that God has for us. You know, last week, Anna Benny preached a great message. And one of the little throwaway lines that I love that Anna put in there was that when you find yourself in the midst of a song uh, of a storm, sorry, let God give you a song. She talked about how for her and her challenges and struggles that she faces, there's often just a song that the Holy Spirit will quicken to her mind and it'll be on her heart. And she'll find herself just singing those lyrics over and over again. Get yourself a song. Even this morning in our worship, I just loved it. We worship God again and declare there's nothing that our God can't do. You don't have to make up your own song. I'm no songwriter. It's okay to not be a songwriter. Pinch someone else's song of faith in Jesus' name. Plagiarism's okay within the kingdom of God to a certain degree. The academics may question that. But to allow that to be your declaration as you face your own struggles or your challenges, Instead of going, oh, it's all doom and gloom and nothing's ever going to change, I choose to align my confession with words of faith. God, there's nothing that you can't do. There's no mountain that you can't do. Move. And so, God, I will praise you and I will worship you, even while I still feel like I'm in the midst of barrenness. We make room in our confession for the promises of God. And then lastly, this morning, it's important for us to consider how to make room practically for the fulfillment of God's promises. See, if I truly believe that something is definitely going to happen in the future, the strength of that belief will inevitably shape the way that I live my life right now. See, um, uh, at the end of last year, Bron, my wife, she found a little grapevine for sale at, uh, I think it was at Mitre 10, end of season kind of sale. And she picked up this pathetic looking little grapevine and we'd love a grapevine in our garden. So she planted this little thing in the garden and it's just been growing little bit by little bit. And over the fa- past few months, I've been looking at that and challenged by the thought that, you know, if I believe that that grapevine is going to grow, I actually need to do something right now to express my belief in that fact and prepare for what is to come. Because what could happen if I don't do anything? This grapevine is just going to grow all over the place and be a mess all around our place. So what I've done is I've put in some stronger supporting stakes. I've, with my limited handyman skills, put some trellis up there on the fence that is ready for this grapevine to grow along. It hasn't grown along yet, but I have a confidence that that is going to happen. What I believe about the future needs to shape the way that I live my life right now. Right now, Pastor Pete and Sarah from Belfast, they are making certain decisions right now in their lives because they truly believe that something wonderful is going to happen soon. They're going to have a third child, which is very, very exciting. They are making room literally in their world for a third child. What a blessing. But again, when we are convinced that something lies ahead of us in our future, we allow that to shape the decisions that we make here and now. You know, God has so many wonderful promises in his word for us. Promises about our future, the life of freedom and effectiveness and impact that we're called to. And to truly believe in those promises requires us to do something now to begin making the preparations. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1 says again that that faith is confidence in what we hope for. And it is assurance about what we do not see. We don't see it with our physical eyes, but through the eyes of faith that the Holy Spirit enables us to see by, we see that there's a future ahead of us that can and will look very different to what we see around us with our physical eyes right now. See, when we link back again to Isaiah 54, it just, wasn't just that God was calling his people to make room in their confession for his promise. He was calling them to practically make room for the fulfillment of those promises. In verse two, he says, enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. See, the imagery is of physically preparing room for the increased size of the family. The current size or configuration of the tent is too small for what is on the way. Therefore, preparations had to be made. And because God has spoken, it's not a case of if, it's a case of when. Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Make room and prepare for the promise that God has. This can be a hard thing to do when we're in the midst of our, of our valleys and our storms and our struggles. And, and all we see are the reasons why it couldn't happen. And all our thoughts are just going over and again, how difficult our reality is, how complex it all is and how we can't see a way forward. And it, we can kind of feel at times like we're doing something a bit crazy to prepare for the fulfillment of God's promise. We can feel like, well, if I prepare for this and it doesn't happen, well, what then? I'm just going to look stupid. People will laugh at me and go, well, what were you doing? What were you thinking, putting that trellis up there, thinking a grapevine was going to grow, you idiot? You know, we can have these very real um, struggles within us. And I love, again, how God, God knows us. God understands these difficulties that we face. Check out what he said to his people in verse 4 of Isaiah 54. He says to them, just after saying, hey, change your confession, make room for what is to come, God comes and he says, do not be afraid. You will not be put to shame. Do not fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. How beautiful is that? Again, that that God knows that these are the fears that we all grapple with. We do fear humiliation. We fear looking stupid when we choose to live a life of faith. But God comes and says, don't be afraid. You will not be put to shame. Because when I've given you a promise in Jesus Christ, that promise is yes and amen. And it is not a case of if that promise is going to be fulfilled. It is a case of when. I really want to, um, just before we close, I want to to honor my wife, Bron. You know, many of you will know our personal journey of how, um, for us, uh, we were praying and just uh, believing for um, a family of our own, for children of our own for many, many years. But it wasn't an easy journey Um, for us that involved uh, multiple miscarriages and, and, and loss and failure and grief and uncertainty. And it was a pretty horrible process, to be fair. Last month, we celebrated our son Niall's eighth birthday, And his birth, again, was an amazing fulfillment for us of a long-awaited promise. I want to introduce a little friend to you this morning. This is a rhinoceros. I don't even know his name. I don't know if we've named him officially. But this is a rhinoceros. I think it's a rhinoceros. Forgive me, Bron, if I've actually got the animal completely wrong this morning. But this was created by Bron for our child before the child ever arrived. This was something that I remember vividly seeing Bron, who didn't know how to knit, she decided to learn how to knit to create this beautiful creation in preparation and in alignment with the promise that we felt God had given us, that despite the miscarriages and the loss and the grief and the uncertainty, that God was gonna make a way where there didn't seem to be any way forward. It may seem like a little thing to knit a rhinoceros but that in itself was a powerful act of faith. And I want to encourage you this morning that though our steps of faith in aligning our lives with God's promises can seem so small and seem almost insignificant at times, nothing is missed by God. God sees the rhinoceroses that we knit. He sees the small stumbling steps that we take forward in Him believing for His promises, believing for a future that goes beyond what we ever hoped or dreamed. He sees that and He honours it and He delights in the faith of His children. Sorry, Rhino, I'm getting a bit aggressive with you. (laughs) Making room, making room. It's about aligning our confession, but also aligning practically our lives with a belief and a conviction that we have in our hearts. For us as a church, this is what we're doing right now. Even taking up this vision offering is one example of this. It's saying, God, we thank you so much for where we are at in each of our campuses. We thank you for the legacy for those who have gone before us. But God, we are not gonna stand still. We are not gonna settle for where we are at right now because we believe that you have yet more for us, more influence in our communities, more transformation in families, more lives to be impacted by the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, knowing who you are, it requires us to continue stretching and believing for more. We invite you all to continue to join us on this this journey of faith. This has been another great message from Elam Church, Christchurch City. For more content and updates, come see us on our Facebook page or jump over to our website. Thanks so much for listening.